Hello, friends, and happy Thursday. My name is Kai, my pronouns are he, him, and you are listening to Speak Queerly. On today's episode, I sit down with singer-songwriter Izzy Haltai. Izzy is a trans man who started transitioning 10 years ago at the age of 14. Phenomenal, phenomenal guy, and this is an amazing story to hear about. I don't want to give too much away, but I'll give some glimpses of what we discuss. We discuss the power of visibility, gender, our white privileges, athletics, challenges of being trans, and much more. This conversation was so much fun, and Izzy, hey, I bought a Carhartt beanie, of course. Not the overalls, not the jacket, just the beanie. I'm wearing it now, so I think that's safe to say I'm going to see you in Western Mass soon. And also, please find Izzy's new song, Day Plan, on Spotify. Give that a listen right after this. Before we begin the episode, here's a message from the sponsor of today's episode, Paxis. Paxis is a clothing company that's mission is to empower trans and non-binary folks. They have binders and packers that allow for individuals to show up as their authentic selves. To get 10% off your order today, use my own coupon code for you, that is F-O-R-Y-O-U, at checkout and get 10% off your order. Oh, and heads up. Before Izzy actually introduces himself in the episode, I put in a clip of us getting lost in a tangent about our trans discovery stories. So enjoy that before Izzy actually introduces himself. This is an incredible episode. Enjoy every minute. I love being trans and I love being a trans man and I love talking about it. Yeah. Um, with my career, it's definitely been like figuring out how not to pigeonhole myself but at this yeah. point i do feel like it's been presented in a way where i feel really comfortable where i'm cool. like this is a really big this is a i mean at this point in my life i've you know it's not a huge part of my identity but it has informed so much of yeah. just like how i move throughout the world um i mean i'm new to transitioning mm-hmm. um physically um i think those two are separate but um yeah i've, I've never felt this amount of like pride and i um I've talked about it before but I always get like really nervous about I shouldn't be nervous about it I don't think that's the right word but stereotyped as like a straight cis man for some reason makes mm-hmm. me uncomfortable um and so like I find myself like really leaning into like add trans before that um I'm still unsure why yeah and I think that's part of my own stuff I need to navigate No, well, I was actually going to say, like, I think a big part of this pride for me comes from I got to physically transition at a very young age due to a lot of privileges I had and support. But what my experience is unique was that it was so privileged. So as like a cis passing white trans guy who was physically transitioning in his teenage years, so started passing pretty early on. I could like choose to like shut off that mm-hmm. I wanted any part um, of any sort of queer community because for so long I was just like, I just want to be a cis guy. And unpacking that in my adult years, I'm like, oh, why was that the case? It was because I had all this ingrained hate that like this world told me inherently my identity was wrong. And so it's kind of just a direct reaction to like me wanting to be stealth and cis for so long of me now being like, I actually have no interest in being (laughs) cis at all. Like my experience is so much more fun than the rest of you guys. Yes, it's it's true though. It's so much more fun. I don't want to just be like a man. That's so boring. I know. People are, I think also just even for people who are cis, like people are more than just their gender. Like- that's all, you know, and, oh, and yeah. as trans people, we might have more 
experiences or different experiences. And I think those are really rad. No, at the end of the day, I always tell people that ask me about this too, like if pronouns matter to me. And I'm like, as much as like going through this transition or like realization or like being transgender, as much as this experience has been like, oh yeah, gender is really important and matters. Like it's equally taught me that like, it doesn't matter at all. Mm -hmm. Like it just doesn't matter at all because it's like, at the end of the day, you're still the same person. But like, yes, of course it matters in the greater context of a society that tells us it matters. <laughs> Correct. So heavily. But at uh, the end of the day, I'm like, I don't know. I don't But know. once you're on the other side and like understand this all, then we can say that. But until you like, you've gone over and done the work, you can't say that gender doesn't matter. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Uh, say that to right. a 13 year old Izzy. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish I could have known him. Izzy, could you just introduce yourself with your with your name and pronouns before we get started? Absolutely. So my name is Izzy Heltai, um, and my pronouns are he, him, his. But my main thing is I'm a musician, so I like do my own stuff. I'm a singer-songwriter, I guess I would say, and uh, performing and like recording was my main thing. Pre-pandemic, um, I was on the road as much as I could be to supplement that. I would do like freelance production work in theaters and stuff, just kind of like lugging um, shit around. Um, really, it sounds like a lot more glamorous than it was because I'm like, oh, yeah, I would like work shows and stuff. But really, I was just tired and just like an extra body. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Just that, um, like, that person in the background moving the speakers. Oh, yeah. Basically, uh, I would like like do overnight strikes for like theaters and the brochures. Yeah. It was just anything that would like just let me do music mostly. Um, yeah. Kind of stay within the industry. Right. So it's like I didn't have a nine to five that held me somewhere. Correct. I could choose um what jobs I was taking so it freed me up for music to be my priority um yeah and then the pandemic happened unemployment Shit. so then just like writing music all yeah. the time and then I started working at a coffee shop and now I'm on unemployment <laughs> <laughs> yes we are yeah we like being hit twice with the unemployment yeah not just great. once so I, at this point, feel like a stipended musician by the government <laughs> to just kind of like create work. And I'm chilling. Yeah. I mean, I think that's beautiful. I think that you're crushing it. I released an album in October. And then basically, because the pandemic gave me so much more time and space in one place than I ever thought I would, the amount my songwriting progressed and like what I was writing and what I was exciting about just like kind of just sped ahead. Oh, so I yeah. then like ended up with this whole catalog and I'm writing so much music now. And like my buddy and also my bass player like runs the studio I record at in Western Mass. So it's like fairly safe for us to like pot up and like record songs. Yeah. So uh, into this year, I just have so many new songs that we're just gonna kind of start releasing. And so everyone's like, because as a musician, there's kind of like a pattern that you're supposed to follow with like, you release the three singles and the album and they're like album cycles, all this stuff. I'm just like, I think I'm just going to start releasing the songs. And why uh, not? And I'm so glad, I'm actually relieved to hear that it's this time has allowed you to be like more creative and put in the time because for me, you know, I don't know if I've gotten more creative and not that I am an artist by any sorts, but like, I'm more like, okay, 11 months. I'm just going to, is it five o'clock yet? I'm just going to like get in my sweats 
maybe under a weighted blanket and just sit the rest of the night. So like when I hear people are like doing their shit, I'm just like all about it. I think this time, like a lot of people has given me a lot of like time and space to really realize like how I enjoy spending my time when I'm yeah. given full agency of like every moment, especially during like the hard quarantine. Um, and what I was realizing is that it's just kind of listening and like watching a lot of things in a lot of different genres and that like like I just started listening to way more genres of music than I'd ever listened to before and that just inherently kind of seeped in and started informing my songwriting in like totally new ways and ways that I was just excited about um yeah and, but you... I'm really thankful for that because I also know a lot of musicians and I feel for them that really froze up during this time yeah. and weren't able to do that yeah yeah, and, and because you are, um, I don't know if you would identify like with a genre, but definitely have like the folk stuff going for you. Would you, do you identify with like one genre or another? Or do you feel like you're quite fluid within that? Well, what I would say is it's not really, I feel like I've tried to self-identify that. And I've also seen other people try to self-identify that for themselves. And And what that usually does, at least for me, I'm like, usually it's not, it sometimes it doesn't line up for me it definitely didn't because I was trying to claim a genre of music I was excited about and excited about writing in the future for the current work that was out but I would say for the current work it's folk music or it's like Americana yep. rootsy stuff um the new stuff I've really allowed myself to not really give a shit um because, you know, I've been writing like pop songs. I've been writing songs that are kind of like Dr. Dog or like weird indie rock stuff. I've been writing, um, I wrote like a gospel song yesterday. That's and I don't know incredible. what's going to be released under my project, but just like a big yeah. part of this quarantine has been no judgment for what comes out. Hearing that, I feel like is a general theme of like, and I think, with so many parts of our lives is giving ourselves grace to like try out different things. But I think that the more comfortable we get in one way or one mode of thinking and doing, it almost makes it feel like that now defines us. And I think that change for me, I'm speaking on my own experience, like that idea of change, just the idea of it is the hard part. The Like the taking the steps to do it is, is incredibly scary and so like giving yourself that freedom and just like organically letting it happen I think speaks directly to the person you are and in, in, um, your ability to create and, and my question to you is how has music like really directed you like not just during this time of pandemic but if we could like go back to your teenage years thinking back of Izzy as a little kid like in reading your website sounds like music has always been a part of you like I haven't had something that's been, you know, that big part of my life where I've I've made it into a career. Yeah. And it, it's so funny because it's like in high school, I was not, I just, I was not a music guy in your like traditional way growing up. So, um, I mean, I like was taking piano lessons from an early age. I was in guitar lessons um when I was like 12 through high school but I wasn't good like I could do chords I never wanted to learn theory I never did scales I never wanted to practice and I never did like jazz band or like I had buddies that were like all about music they were in bands all my interest really was was just like writing my own songs mm. um 
And I don't even, it's also, it's like a lot of my friends make fun of me, but it's like as a singer songwriter or like, you know, as a folk singer songwriter, like I was, I um, don't know that many covers. I just like have interest and, and it just spirals. And it's like, I think I'm just self-centered, but I'm just like, I don't know. I kind of like just want to do my thing on this. And that feels important to me or like important to myself and my sanity and my processing. Um, and so that's kind of like why I've been songwriting for so long and how it ended up being what I want to do with my life. I always say, I just have no idea. It just, you know, I started playing out when I was 18, just like anywhere. I was like playing bars or coffee shops, you know, usually no one was there or like people were talking over me. It's like, it just, I don't know what clicked about it being all I ever wanted to do with my life. But like from an early age, even at all those shitty gigs, I was like, oh, this is it. This is like what I want to be doing. Yeah, it's still like, it still fueled you. Yeah, it was super weird. And I mean, it's just like, you know, I like definitely now, I mean, I can look back and unpack and I can tell you exactly why I love doing this and I love performing and I love writing songs. Um, but instinctually, it was just kind of something I did and something I kept doing and then spiraled into the only thing I really know how to do. Listen, I really, I believe, like, I don't want to get too weird, but I think the universe like has weird things obviously there was nothing presented to you that took your eye enough off of music I mean I'm sure you've like have you ever tried having a nine-to-five job or the issue is I'm like and I was actually really uh, uh, excited to talk to you about the about or just generally Kai because yeah. we haven't had a chance to connect and I also know you're really into like fitness and stuff yeah it's like I don't like being in music. I never really get to talk to people about like fitness and movement. Cause that's like kind of a separate thing. Like yeah. taking care of yourself is a little bit not okay for a musician. I noticed that the <laughs> musicians don't know how to like properly care for their bodies. This romanticized thing where it's like, oh, you're a tortured struggling musician that kind of treats themselves like shit. You're depressed. Anyways, I love fitness. But what I was going to say is it just, I'm like quite obsessive. And that carries over into like both like my passions, which it's like, you know, cycling, running, like nice. weightlifting, like all this, and then also music. And it's just kind of like, when I don't have that, it's not that I do a bad job. I just tire of it very quickly. Izzy, I think we're very similar. Like I <laughs> don't, <laughs> um, you don't really want to see me if I don't have access to my outlets. Those, and it's hard to even call like fitness an outlet for me. Like, I don't even, I don't want to say it's a, my identity either, but it's ingrained in me. Like I need to move in some capacity. And so I know that whatever I do for like work or to pay the bills, I will still need access to like time for me to go lift some weights or go on a run. Yeah, yeah. but I think going back to like, I've never really had a nine to five jobs and the nine to five job and the times I have tried, I have just quit really quickly because yep. I'll be like all gung ho at the very beginning and then quickly be like, no, I can't. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, because I found the theater freelance stuff that allowed me to not do it, like if I had no other source, like I would, there are situations where I would have had to kind of come to terms with that and yeah. deal with it, but um, I've been really privileged in that sense to figure kind of things out without that. I've shifted. I've always been a teacher, but I've shifted like 
what I teach in order to see if it's just that or if it's the career. Um, and so like I started teaching special ed. That was actually what my degree was in. Um, and I taught that for two years and then was like, no, I like this just it's hard to keep like all this testing students. And it's like, I didn't feel that equity, it was very equitable. Um, and also I just was overworked at the age of 23. And I was like, this is awful. Like, this is awful. And so I was like, okay, maybe if I try teaching health and PE, I'll like that better. And so I got my certification in health and PE and I liked it, but it didn't, it didn't take away from like, and I, I gave it my all, but then I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like I, how the idea of thinking about doing that for the next like, 40 years yeah like no way no way yeah and I mean no it's like I feel the same way and I've been fortunate enough to be really passionate about something I want to do professionally since such a young age that I don't even have a concept of what it is to like be in a job that you could maybe be in for a long time without caring about it because all I've cared about and all I've known I want to do with my life is my music and you're doing it like, that's the thing, like, and you're making it happen. Well, I mean, I'm also, <laughs> like, I'm not, if it doesn't go somewhere, eventually, like, right, there's going to be an age that if it really falls flat, I'll have yeah. to reassess. But fortunately, I'm not there yet. Yeah, how old are you, Izzy? I'm 24. Yeah, right on. And did you, did you go to college? You're in Western Mass? Yes. Yes. I went to Mass College of Liberal Arts. Okay. Um, I studied arts management. I didn't do much schoolwork and had a great time yeah. i was just i all i cared about i was just playing shows every weekend yeah so, so i wasn't what... like partying or anything <laughs> yeah you were you were like, working i just want to do music well <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say that well you were you were working you were doing your internship it was a it was a yeah it was all learning experience just without the classes I mean, no, I had really forgiving professors and and a really wonderful, like, I had two really wonderful department heads, but it's like they would, they were like, as long as you show up and everything's on time when you're here, you can like leave and do your thing. So it's like there were some like two or one or two week stints that I just kind of left school. Yeah. And they were like, whatever. Yeah. And you're in Western Mass now, right? Yeah. That's like one of my favorite places. Yeah. Where are you? I'm in Portland, Maine, and I was slightly resentful at that time of, like, why <clears throat> I didn't go to college more like that, um, but I also was, like, playing sports and was just doing my thing. I was, like, the idea of transferring seemed so overwhelming. That I was, like, whatever, um, but, so yeah, so this, I was there whenever I could. Yeah, so this really interested – this is a total tangent. This really yeah. interested me when I was listening to one of your other podcasts to just learn that you were an athlete, yeah. so because I transitioned at such a young age – um, movement for me now in adult life is such a reclaiming because I've always had this thing where in the back of my head, I'm like, maybe I would have really enjoyed sports in high school, mm-hmm. but was so deterred from the concept of anything gendered that I just never did any activity in high school like that. For me, uh, you know, I, I've been doing because of all this downtime and inner reflection, Izzy, it's really feels great. I like have really sat down and been like, because people always ask me like, you know, you get that question of like, when did you know you were trans? Da, da, da. And for me, it really did happen at a young age. Like I peed standing up until I was literally told like, you can't do that. Like if you're in a woman's stall and your feet are facing forward, like you can't do that. Like it was pre- quite old. Um, but I was like, okay, whatever. And, but sports were my life. Sports were always my life. It's all I knew. It's what came natural to me. And I, so 
if I had a female body, sports were honestly, if I had to say why I didn't transition, it was because of sports, because I just wanted to play. Yeah. So I played uh, three sports in high school and then I played two in college. I played field hockey and lacrosse and field hockey is such a female identifying sport in the United States. Um, It started as a male sport over in England, but yeah, I couldn't imagine my life without them. So then I went through college, um, not transitioning. And then after college is when I, you know, I used they, them pronouns after college with my close circle and tried out he, him, but didn't come out to my, with my family until I started physically transitioning, which was a little over a year ago. So yes, mm-hmm. for me, sports is what kept me in my gender box, which I think is, there's so much work that could be done there. Like it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, I just, I don't know. I think because I think about, um, and I talked to my mom about this too. It's like when I was in high school, I was, I mean, I'd never been in a gym in my life. I didn't run, like I didn't know, I didn't move my body. I was a pothead. Me and my friends, like, yeah. kind of hung out. We we played music, um, but thinking about like how movement has manifested itself in my adult life, um, and how much I enjoy it uh and how i never would have said that as like a 16 year old and maybe i wouldn't have liked doing sports but i do think often i'm like well maybe if i did have access to a way that felt comfortable i would have really dug this thing yeah and we don't know right but yeah you could have yeah you really could have i was actually going to ask if you played um because how old were you when you started transitioning yeah so i started socially transitioning when i was 14 um and it's it's really funny to think about it uh, because it wasn't that long ago. So it was ten years ago. So it was like it was like 2010. Mm-hmm. And then I got to start physically transitioning really early on because my parents were on board and and financially we were able to swing it without Amazing. insurance. Because then I don't know what the case is now, but then insurance definitely didn't cover under 18 for anything. Um, and and so like I got to do that, but uh, I tell people now, especially in liberal pockets like where I am in Massachusetts, where trans kids do often get what they need to feel mm-hmm. comfortable. I know that's not how it is in the majority of the country, but at least now mm-hmm. there's so much more um, uh, visibility. Yes. Obviously. But anyways, but even ten years ago, there just like was not. And I have so many questions because like, how did you were you able to point to it? Because even me, like in my you know, after I was 18 adult life, like I didn't have the visibility. Like I don't, I must've just been that sheltered, but there's nothing I could point to and be like, this is me. Like I felt so foreign that even like the idea of explaining it to my parents seemed like I I would have to like teach a class on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, did you have someone like a role model or? I didn't at all. Like, I don't know what my first, like what, who I was first exposed to, but all I knew was as soon as I saw that there was a term for what I felt, I could be like, oh, yeah. Like, I think, right, it's like, as soon as you get visibility, you're like, oh, this is the language to claim what I've always been feeling. Um, But I can't pinpoint a specific moment. All I know is that I I did grow up in a very liberal town. um, So fortunately, maybe it was in the vernacular discussion a little before a lot of other places, but Mm -hmm. um, it still wasn't. And that's when, like, people are surprised when I say there really wasn't anything um, even that 
even only 10 years ago, because I, I grew up in a really progressive suburb of Boston. I mean, progressive is air quotes. It's, you know, it's not as radical as I'd like it to be. I know. It's a white liberal suburb. Um, yeah. Anyways, to be queer is it's a very good place to be a queer, a queer white kid right now. I, yeah. A queer white kid. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. There, there's so these liberal suburbs, but uh, um, it just like also just makes me really knowing that there's like, I mean, I think trans kids and trans youth are just so important that like it just fills me up knowing that there are like even in New England these small pockets of visibility and access, and I think it is really growing in Maine too, specifically the Portland area, um, but growing up in New York like. Maybe now, maybe if I went to York High School now, I'd be different. But then it was like, people like you just remained closeted. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's the same way. Like, you know, where I live in Western Massachusetts, you're familiar, like Northampton. I think growing up, if you're a queer kid here, I actually think the majority of them are non binary at that high school. Um, and they're all way hipper than I am. I like, I love that. I love what it's so weird. I love walking to a place and be like, Oh, I don't know your gender. I feel safe. Like it's so bizarre. (laughs) But I think even in like, you know, half an hour outside in these small towns, it's not, you know, me being able to claim it at such a young age, you know, I was super privileged that I, I I had the tools I needed to be like, identify with that and be like, so stubborn and strong handed about that. Um, but then also it's like with my parents, I'm really fortunate that I'm really close with them and also that they did their homework um, as soon as I kind of started verbalizing what I was feeling. And I don't know. I, it's just, it's so awesome. I know it it was incredible. And that's why it's like, when I talk about this, um, especially, you know, Kai, it's like, I am like a cis passing, like white trans guy it's been on hormones for a while I who has the like, rat mustache like that oh. is absolutely goals well i appreciate that i took a crazy light driver's license renewal photo today <laughs> but anyways um it's like i am i always tell people like if they haven't seen a lot of queer representation it's like i am the most textbook and comfortable version of a trans guy you are ever going to see mm. so i had like really the most privileged experience a trans person can have in this society. And so I like to acknowledge that, but also I'm like, but I am still heavily traumatized by what the society does to trans people. Yeah. Just because you're passing doesn't make it any easier. You're still absorbing it. Like just, you know, like. Yeah, no, but then I'm like, yeah, but, and so like, think about people that had it much worse than me, like growing up and feeling comfortable. It's like, it's so I'm hard. Just heavily traumatizing people constantly. Constantly. <laughs> it's oh man, I know, I know. Damn, I, yeah, I just haven't thought about it that way, right? Like it just. I think it's always easier to look at other people and say like, oh, like it must have been so much easier, right? Or like, but it's not. It's really not. Just because you don't experience those same things doesn't mean it doesn't affect you. you yeah. Know? Well, I mean, I, but I also say that to kind of. Um, I say that to myself too, because I often am like, I don't like, it's not, I complain about anything and I like love being who I am, but it's like, I think all the time about how privileged I am, but that I also need to feel valid in expressing that it was still hard because the society doesn't make it easy for anyone to be trans, no matter how privileged you are within that transness. I know. And that God protect black 
black trans people right now oh too. God, like protect black trans women. Like let's just <laughs> like come on. I mean, yes, what all is... black trans people, but I'm like, yeah, black trans women have like the run the... of our society. <laughs> You're correct. You like you are that is a hundred percent correct. Black trans women. I also also get stuck in the pigeonhole of like I'm still so like just like you were saying, I am so privileged. Like I've always been like in a, some sort of, you know, marginalized group. I put that in air quotes, but like identifying as a, as a lesbian, right? Like I still felt more privileged than gay men because it was still more ex- like acceptable in certain spaces. Like granted it's all, it was only because of over-sexualization of women, but I just felt like it was more accepted being a woman who liked other women than a man who liked another man. And now as a trans man, I feel more privileged because trans men aren't being, I don't know, murdered at the same rate as trans women, specifically black trans women. It's just this whole guilt fest of like privilege. Oh my God. And then, I mean, the area I live, you know, if you were visiting Smith, every other person is a cis passing white trans guy. I'm like, I know we're all like me. We all have shitty mustaches. I get it. <laughs> and we're Carhartt, you know? It's- oh my God. It's, I like to tell everybody, it's like not every other queer has a Carhartt here. It's every queer has a Carhartt. <laughs> Western literally. Northampton area does it different. And you're, none of you are actually, oh, maybe I shouldn't, you know, gen like stereotype, but I don't think a lot of you are doing the manual labor of like oh. chopping wood and I mean, maybe you are. That would be kind of no, really interesting. Absolutely not. But no, I went to my friend's house for dinner the other day, my guitar player, Micah, and um, his roommate is a farmer, as we have many. So we do have a lot of okay. farmers out here. Um, but yeah, I saw his like Carhartt overalls and jacket hung up like outside their door. And I was like, oh, right. Working people actually use. <laughs> I didn't know. I thought it was only the hipsters. Yeah, right. I literally thought it was only was hipsters like, or musicians. Crazy. <laughs> well, thanks, Kai. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate you, and I, I hope that um, after this we can we can continue talking and connecting. It sounds like we have quite a bit in common. I know. I would love that. I would also love to hang out on the other Let's, end of this. I'm I think so. I'm so down. Like I told you, I have like no trans guy friends. I will be your trans man friend and sidekick. That. I just need to get some Carhartt. Okay. I don't think I, I can enter that. Western Mass in, in just like a black beanie. Maybe I Yeah, can. that's definitely fair. <laughs> I'll just bring my bike and we'll just cruise. I was going to say, come when it's nice out and we can yeah. like be outside and be doing our thing. Let's do it. And then maybe you didn't catch You got to walk me through some workouts. Some of the shit you do is let's pretty do intense. It. Yeah, let's do it. I'd love to, man. <laughs> All, right, All right, man. Thank you. All right. Here's the deal. You have two jobs now. Your first job is to head over to my favorite brand, Paxi's, take a look at what they got, buy something for yourself or someone who you love who is trans or non-binary that will just make them feel so safe and seen and important in this world. I'm telling you, when you feel safe in your body, it is the most powerful thing. Second, go check out Izzy's work on Spotify. This man is incredible. He's a singer-songwriter. He just came out with a new song, Day Plan. You just heard all about him. Now let's show him some love. Get on Spotify, like his work, share his work, and spread some love, y'all. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye.